Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? No, no, no. With a Grouch Anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front, man. You should never let people see your card. When to bluff, when to call. I did not raise. I flipped over the ace. I raked on the chips. Pretty good pop. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, welcome back to episode three of Badoogie All Stars. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. Nixon the Grouch. Uh, we have a new segment coming up on the on this week. A uh, little strategy segment. I know people are a bit bummed about Bart going biweekly. Uh, Bart's podcast going biweekly. Um, so I thought we'd throw in a little bit of live strategy segment. Uh, not that we're Bart and by any means, but let us know if you enjoy it or not. Um, and we also have our guest this week is Tackleberry. Um, many of you probably know him from the um, DC forums. If not, you will get to know him even better. Um, how was your week? It it was all right. I mean, again, poker free is kind of disappointing. So there wasn't a lot really going on. Just kind of everyday stuff. But yeah, that's about it. I'm, what about you? I'm going through a little bit of like withdrawal with with the without online poker. I, like I think when the story hit, you know, it was like I didn't play a ton anyway, so it wasn't like I was a pro, um, and it was really really gonna hurt me because I I still only played when I wanted to. Um, but as soon as I couldn't play, then it slowly started to sink in. Like especially with the scoop coming up. Um, I was really psyched to do this, to do a couple of events in the scoop, especially the triple draw stuff. And uh, I'm slowly getting to that point where I'm like, wow, I, I can't play. Like I had it on my calendar and I can't play. So that, that kind of sucks. Um, but uh, I am getting more live in, so live poker in. So that's not bad. I, I know last time I talked about uh, going to my buddy's monthly one-two cash game and I'm pretty sure I jinxed myself because I kept talking about how <laughs> how much I crushed that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, not to get into it too much because there wasn't really too many interesting spots. Um, but, I mean, just, just stuff like running, like, oh, um, one hand, there was, there was basically a straddle every hand. And the way we play the straddle is y- you can straddle uh, if you're under the gun. And, and nowhere else. Um, so, and you can do up to $10. Um, and so most of the straddles were like to 7 or some were 10 this, this time it happened to be 10 I didn't even notice it. Um, and I looked down at Ace-King and raised it up to like 11 or something. Obviously that's not a legal raise with a $10 straddle. So I had to call. And then this guy, who's, who's not a bad player, um, he's not fairly aggro by any means um just open shoved uh 120 and i'm like sitting there and i i really don't think he i mean he might might do this with aces because some you know some live players are you know of the mindset you're either going to win a small pot or lose a big pot with aces or they get really paranoid um but I don't know. He he didn't seem like that type. Um, 
So for whatever reason, I took aces out of his range just because I, fe- you know, I expected him to want to get value from him. Um, and and to that point, I I was thinking that kings might fall into that category as well. So I was like, well, there's a very good chance he might just have ace king here, um, or something like tens jacks, uh, or even maybe even maybe even nines, but probably not nines the way he plays. So I, I was thinking like tens jacks and ace king or or queens. Sorry, queens he might also do this with. Um, so I mean with with the my ten already out there, the straddle ten, the blinds one and two. That's this is kind of turning into the strategy segment accidentally. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, just real quick, uh, just to if finish. Tackleberry shows up in the middle of this. It'll turn into the interview too, which yeah. is really weird. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I just I I didn't think I could fold there, considering you know that you know there's I, if I didn't think he would do it with aces, and I did think he would do it with ace king. Um, tens or jacks or queens with with the dead money out there i i think i have to call i don't know what do you think it, yeah i mean i don't i mean not knowing the guy i would think that his he's if he's not doing it with only aces and kings then you probably have to call but yeah i mean he's not he's definitely not your like really loose passive fish who you know only comes alive with aces and kings that's not him at all like but he he would never he would never like f- he would never four bet bluff or anything like that. He's not like aggro like that or anything. Um, but he he's 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 a he's a thinking decent player. So I mean, he, it's it's weird though because he knows that you want to raise yet you only called, and so you're like it's sort of a weird situation that he ha- has the knowledge of the value of your hand, but there's less money in the pot and he's still shoving. So, I mean, he's probably not doing it with ace, jack, ace, queen very often. So it sort of sucks. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he knows I wanted to raise and now he's shoving obviously makes his range a little bit stronger, but I I thought it was like one of those things where he, he knows I wanted to raise. So if he makes it 30, he knows I'm going to call. Then the stack to pot ratio becomes like, you know, there's 30, his 30, my 30, plus the other 13. Um, and so now he's got like a 2x pot behind or something weird like that, or not even that much if he, if he only had 120. So he'd only have 90 behind. So then it becomes weird. Um, yeah. But, you know, if he makes it... It sounds like, basically, it seemed to me like he raised... If he just raises a decent amount or, or you know, a small amount, he's either A, going to get too many callers or... Um, I don't know. It just seemed like he didn't want to play it post flop, like, and so to me that that screams like ace king to me a lot, or something like jacks, maybe even queens, um, who are just like I don't want to see that ace or king flop, um, or if I do have ace king, I want to make sure I see all five cards. Um, so I mean that that was my thought process. So I mean as much as I don't really like calling off big shoves like that live like it's a snap call online but live i think you can get away with you know making more folds in in certain situations because of reads but uh i I mean i did make the call Uh, he had kings um and then i lost so i mean whatever you know not a big deal um but i was i sat there and thought about it for a while and i'm like 
Yeah, I guess Kings kind of makes sense, but if 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 you don't think he's going to do it with aces, then the rest of his range, I'm sort of happy calling it against. So, I don't know. It's a weird play with Kings. I mean, it's a weird situation. The other thing, strategically, you might think about doing is paying attention and yeah. <laughs> noticing, stra- noticing, noticing the straddles. I mean, that's just... You know, it's yeah, kind of well, outside the box a little bit. You know, some people don't <laughs> like to do that sort of thing. But yeah, if you actually look at what the people ahead of you do, there's well, information to be had, maybe I've, about like what the going bet is. But that's just me. I don't, I don't do it very often. Yeah, I feel like that is sort of getting into advanced level stuff, um, and I don't think I'm there yet. So I really want to play my cards. Yeah, level no, one I mean, type stuff. No, that's good. I'm glad you're looking at both your cards now, because when you were just looking at the one, I think that was really holding you back. Uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Other times, I, I could get away with bluffing, and I didn't know if I was bluffing or not, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm sure that there's a bunch of DC videos about that, about <laughs> betting without knowing why you're betting. That, that's a really good idea, so yeah. try, try that sometime. Let me know how it I don't know. It, it might have been better just... This past uh, week, when I when I was at that game, because like I said, it didn't go very well. Uh, I ran into monster after monster, and I, it, it's pretty sweet because um, I ran into kings twice, aces once, but then again, I did stack um, top top with a set. Um, so I mean, that one hand sort of made it so my night wasn't that bad. I finished down less than a buy in at one two, which I mean. In this grand scheme of things, oh wow, you know, a, you know, less than a buy-in, that's nothing at all. But when your edge is so big, that actually is a pretty big loss. But in you know, not a, not a huge deal. At least it didn't humble you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it would. Whew, I don't. I don't know how much I'd have to lose to to it, have some form of you know hum- humility or something. But yeah, I just I'm enjoying the. Last week, the discussion of Tom thinks a lot combined with not noticing people ahead of you are straddling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's well, weird that they don't think you're a thinking player. <laughs> I guess I'm better at, at giving off a poor image than I thought. Yeah. And that's partly because I don't pay attention. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, yeah, that, that didn't go very well, but not, you know, not sweating it at all. Um, Let's see what else happened. Uh, not not much else happened for me this week. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, we just went to the mall just this morning before recording this, and uh, she her her laptop recently died, and we got a our first MacBook Pro. Um, I have an iPad, but that's the that's other than an iPod. Um, that's the only Apple product I'd ever owned. Um, so we're kind of excited to test that out. We've heard good things about these Apple products. Welcome to the cult. Yeah. Man, I tell you, you go in those Apple stores and it's crazy busy, but they, they are very knowledgeable, very helpful. Um, and you can see how people sort of get hooked. Not to mention that, you know, the products are very good and very easy to use and everything. Yeah, I think that's secondary to the fact that they're cool. <laughs> yeah, probably. No, but, I mean, I, I I use a MacBook at work, so I'm not like judging Apple. But there's definitely the fact that Apple is cool and Windows is not cool does contribute 
heavily to their popularity. Yeah, I agree. Um, not that I, not that I know how how things become cool because I am not. But <laughs> you've heard tales. <laughs> yes, cool people have explained it. To <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've never actually used a Mac before. So I don't know. I guess there'll be slight learning curve trying. I don't know. Yeah, good good luck right clicking sucker. <laughs> I've already learned that. Uh they said use two fingers and I was like, Well that seems excessive. <laughs> yeah, because right clicking wouldn't require another finger usually. Well not at but, one time. That's true. That's true. That's stressful. Yeah, I mean come on, I I really thought that the user interface was supposed to be better, and now you're telling me I have to use multiple fingers at the same time. You want me to double click with two fingers, you want me to pinch, you want me to it's like, gosh. Or you could buy a mouse that has right-clicking on it. But that's... Don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. That's silly. I'm not going to buy more stuff. But they have they have Mac mice that look, like, cooler. Like, they're, like, white, probably, and, like, cool shapes. Why is everything white in, in for Macs? I don't know. As it, is I this mean, some I sort of, like, underlying racist thing? I think that's what it is. That's definitely... It has nothing to do with aesthetics. I'm sure it's like yeah, it's a racial thing. But yeah, the other. I mean, I don't know. To me, I feel like products that are white are just saying like, "Wow, that's really dirty." But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So like yeah, I that... took a, a, a sticker off of my MacBook, and it's like, "Wow, it's really dirty." Yeah. But, anyway. Yeah, she went with the MacBook Pro as opposed to just the the general MacBook. So I don't know if you've used either one of those. I've. I've used both. I, I had a I had a MacBook before. Now I have a Pro. The nice thing about the Pro is when it heats up in your backpack and you touch it, you can burn yourself. <laughs> but that's cool. Does yours have a backlit keyboard? Because I heard that was really like cool. I don't know. I don't. I use mine in. in I have um. What you, lamps and stuff. Oh like oh, use, like like electricity. Yeah. yeah. So I don't actually have to work in the dark. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. Um. I'm not, <laughs> if it if it does, I've never noticed it. It might. Okay, well, that's one of the things my girlfriend was really excited about. So. Okay. Yeah. It, basically, we went in, and the guy was like, "So, uh, you know, what are you guys looking to use it for?" And she's like, "Well, you know, internet." It's basically, dark. it. Dark. <laughs> and and he's like, like lights "Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, uh, so just the internet." And we're like, "Yeah, yeah, basically." And he's, I could see where he was going. I know he's immediately going to direct us to just the general generic MacBook because that's ultimately all she really needed. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, so have you have you looked at the Mac?" I was like, "Yeah, look, she she likes the backlit keyboard. That's only on the Pro." <laughs> um, and in her defense, it does the MacBook does kind of look. Worse than the MacBook Pro, in my opinion, at least. Um, aesthetically, it, it doesn't look as nice. And I think it's just like... I don't, I, I don't remember, but I think the MacBook is just plastic and the Pro might be aluminum or something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the other thing that I really like the look of is a, is a MacBook with a stack of like $500 and 20s next to it, which are <laughs> of the same value as a Pro. But that's just me. Actually, it's only a $200 difference. Really? Yeah, well, she got the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Oh. Uh, like the bottom of the line one. It's hardly a pro. That's like the semi-pro. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the replacements. It's like, yeah, it's like class A, like minor league baseball. You're technically a professional, but yeah. But so I think I think she'll be happy with that. I'm I'm excited to play with it. I know that now that we have it, I'm you know I'm probably gonna 
be forced into that cult sooner yeah. or later. I mean, really, the only thing that held me back besides the price, which, I mean, it's more expensive. It is a good product. I, you know, I joke about it, but they're great computers. But was when I was playing poker seriously, like, I have all this poker software and stuff for the PC that isn't on the Mac, and it's like I can run parallels or all this other stuff, or I could just buy a PC which is cheaper and does all the stuff I want. But yeah. Now that there's no poker, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Run Linux. I don't care. <laughs> well, I'm going to do that now, you, now that you said I could. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll be back. But <laughs> I, I still remember when I heard about Linux and Unix for the first time, and I heard about you know all these super geeks using it, and how and they were saying how great it was, and I just I assumed that there was no GUI, there, there was no graphical user interface, so I was like, man, that I appreciate like them wanting to use a different operating system or or base, and I was like, but command prompt that must suck, and then I learned that you know they actually do have a graphical user interface, and I was like, oh, oh well in that case it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they didn't have monitors and they just took it <laughs> off from memory. <laughs> well, I thought they used the punch cards. Um, yeah. So that, I wasn't into that. Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah. yeah. The people that listen to this and don't like our poker conversation must really love our Unix conversations. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, she, sh- she'll, she should be very happy with that. She's very excited and I'm excited to play with it as well. Um, but uh, let's see what's going on tonight. I have um, my—I I don't know if I want to call it my monthly since I haven't had it the two mo- the last two months. But we'll we'll go with it. Uh, my monthly mixed game cash game tonight. Um, so that should be good. I, I've probably be playing. Having to fully decide on the four game. We usually play four games, uh, a half an hour each game, and uh, run through it twice. And then if anybody still wants to stick around, we'll play whatever that anybody wants to play at, at that point. Uh, so I think tonight we're going to be doing Limit Hold'em, Deuce 7, Triple Draw, Stud, and 08. Um, stud. Yeah. Why does anyone... Just play Triple Draw, Badoosie, you know, Badacy, and should, Limit Hold'em. I should do that, but I don't know the rules. <laughs> But if you, it's your game. You whatever you say, the rules are are the rules. <laughs> That's true. It's a, I mean, it's split pot, but Badoosie is Badoogie and Deuce split. It's not that hard. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, well, you're, so a, Badoosie, you're a Badoogie all star now. <laughs> that's true. But so Badoosie is split Badoogie and triple draw. So what well, is? I, I no, it's yeah. It has to do with because uh, you have you have the Badoosie, Badacee. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's like a third one, isn't there? I don't think so. I, I mean, think maybe there, is. there is, but Badusi, Badusi, Bomb Diggity, Boom Shakalaka. Well, I mean, it has to do with the ace being like you can't make uh like a I don't know I don't know do they have a a wheel in Badu in Badugi? I don't actually know the the terminology. What? But you know, an ace to four yeah. Badugi hand wouldn't be that great if you're splitting it with Deuce because now you have the ace and so. It's that whole business. It's very complicated. I'm glad our podcast is informative as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's there. That's, Any, anytime we come to, I mean, I don't know. Anytime we come to Badoogie, we should be experts on everything. <laughs> I don't know the name of the best hand. That's why we're Badoogie All-Stars. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know that one when you have like a pair of sixes in Badoogie and you win? Is that how the game works? I I think I think, but you have to have them split with the the Queen of Spades so that it rains out and you have to start over. Yep. Yeah. And if you have a if you have a Joker, you, you win. Yeah. The pot from everybody. I don't. I don't know how to play Hold'em, so I don't, I don't... I don't really know what road we're going down here, but I'm going to get us back on track. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know... <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> I don't know the rules to those games, and that's why we're not playing them tonight. Um, Based on the limited amount of research you do about this podcast, I can't imagine you looking them up before the home game. No, either, that, so. would, that would be silly. So, yeah, my, my thought process behind picking Limit Hold'em, Triple Draw... Uh, stud and 08 are those are probably the games um that i will play live like if i go to vegas i'm actually going to atlantic city um for memorial day weekend um me my girlfriend pygmy hero and his wife um we're gonna go up just go up sunday stay the night come back monday um and so i figure you know might as well get some experience playing because i i like playing various games live, so I like using my home game as a way to sort of brush up and knock off the rust. All right. So, hopefully... You should have, like, a home podcast where you can knock off the rust before we record this. <laughs> <laughs> Little do you know I actually do that. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, anything going on in poker news, in, in the poker world lately? I mean, there's all the Black Friday stuff, but I'm kind of tired of talking about it, honestly. I'm I mean, tired I of everyone, talking about it as I well. I think everyone's reading it, and they know about, you know, Ultimate Bet, like, all these raids and crazy business and all of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, why? We, you know, we're, we have a poker news segment. Why would we talk about that? Let's talk about something else. Um, I mean, the, the thing that affected me most is that the merge rakeback is ending as of, you have to sign up by June 1st, and so it's, I was trying to figure out, you know, do I want to sign up? I suppose having rake back at merge would be useful if merge doesn't shut down. But yeah, now are they are they? Because I heard conflicting stories, and by the time this airs, it, it might have been cleared up. But are they stopping rake back for everyone? Come June, they're, no, they're grandfathering everyone in. So okay. if you have a rake back account by the first of June, you. It looks like you have rakeback. I don't know. They might migrate it into some VIP status thing, and where if you have a rakeback account, you get something else. I don't know. It's not really clear what they're changing to. It may be like a poker stars kind of thing where there's the different oh, I gotcha. levels. Um, I mean, personally, I don't. That's not really great for a lot of people who don't grind like crazy. But yeah, well, that's why I played a full tilt because you, you have to grind a certain amount for poker stars to be worth it. So right, exactly. I mean, and then you get the games are full of people who are grinding as many tables as they can. Yeah. It's kind of tough. But yeah, I mean, I, I emailed the DC's rakeback support to figure out exactly what it is. And what they told me is you just have to have an account. You don't even have to deposit. I'm a little dubious, but I don't know. I mean, maybe that's true. I've with my experience, rakeback always kicked in after you played. Yeah. So I'm still, maybe you can just put on a little bit then. Yeah, but then you have to deal with like the hassle of depositing. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I mean, I've I've thought about putting the money on. I know some of the rakeback providers are doing that. Like, get like a thousand dollars in MGR over like sixty days or something, and you get an iPad too. And I, for me, I don't play that much, so it doesn't really affect me. But if I'm going to put money on, it seems like there's all these first deposit bonuses that are really awesome. And for my first deposit to be twenty bucks, <laughs> yeah, seems. 
you know, if I can get 100% of that, whoop-de-doo. Yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, I think you just got to figure out how much you'll likely play, how much you would gain, and then just put that much on, you know, like... Yeah, um, I mean, the thing is, I could put on, you know, a lot and grind it out and make a bunch of money in bonuses, but if they're going to get shut down in three months, like, it's going to make me mad. I'm going to be really... (laughs) I mean... I'm already kind of frustrated with the situation with stars in full tilt and you know having money locked up. Like I have a couple hundred bucks locked up on absolute and ultimate bet that I'm kind of writing off as not getting back. And that sucks. It's, it's frustrating and annoying and all that stuff. But I'm kind of dealing with it. If it happens a second time, yeah. I mean, it's like George W. Bush. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, just, just stop fooling won't me. Get fooled again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is exactly like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know you had that much on on a a a, a p or u b. I I've only got twenty five bucks on there, and I I wrote that off as lost a long time ago, before this well, even I, happened. Yeah, I left it on there because I had I cashed out all the money I deposited in a bunch more and left it on there because I was playing heads up, and those are the only sites you could play below fifty. Oh, okay. And so I left it on there if I wanted to play like ten and l heads up or something like that. Gotcha. Um, but and then I kind of forgot about it. I figured if I ever wanted it, I can cash it out. But <laughs> sucker. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I wonder how many people have money in in any poker account and either a literally just completely forgot about it and it's just sitting there, or just said, ah, I'm not going to deal with it and just never bothered to cash it out. Like I, I feel like there's got to be a significant amount. I don't know. Maybe. I would just think there's a lot of people that used to have money in pokers, poker accounts and went, ah, I'm just going to put it all on the table and see how it goes and no longer have money in their poker accounts. Yeah, I guess that could That'd be. That'd be my guess. If your, thought, if your thought is, I don't feel like dealing with 100 bucks, let it ride. That's true. I just feel like there's probably at least some contingent of people who put money on a site. Like I, like, like I said, I have 25 bucks on UB, but I completely forgot about that. Um until like a couple months later and I was like, oh yeah, I think I have some on there. So, you know, 25 bucks to me isn't a huge deal. And that, so... That's true. 2,500 is probably not a huge deal to a lot of people as well. Um, I definitely know where 2,500 was, but a lot of people, that's nothing to them. So, you know, I wonder if like Tom Dwan has, you know, some account on some random poker site and he just forgot, you know, something like that. It is entirely possible, but um, but I I keep track of that sort of thing because I'm poor and I suck at poker, <laughs> so I'd like to know. I yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and that's the thing with merge is it seems like I mean they made it through the first pass, and I feel like if they were going to bust everybody, they would have busted everybody at once. Yeah, well, so I, they're I, obviously I, not doing so, they're not doing stuff as bad as what they're accusing Tilden Stars and UB and AP of doing, but at the same time. If there's a second wave coming or something like that, I really don't want to put a bunch of money on there and find out, oh, I could have, I don't know. It just, it's just frustrating to me to think that I'm going to put money on again and have to go through this. Yeah. Realistically, it'll probably be the same as like what's going on with stars, where it'll get shut down and you'll get your money back. But to go through the hassle of it all... Yeah, I mean, I I'm hesitant decided. to put merge in, in the stars category of customer support just yet, because I think a lot of people, we, we don't know yet how they, how they are. But uh, but I think it's true. But I think when people say you know if they were going to bust everyone they would have busted everyone, I think that's sort of like 
assuming that they busted those poker sites for for running a poker business, which, you know, who knows what the real reasons were, but I mean, as far as I know, I can only go off what I've, what I've heard, you know, they busted them for the criminal charges. So if, if Merge didn't do any of that, then that's might be why they didn't get busted. You know, like if they were part of the collusion of buying banks and, and bank fraud and all that, then I'm pretty sure they would have been included. So I, th- I think yeah. that's why they didn't get busted. Um, yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, but is there really going to be another round of busts based on just the poker part of it? I don't think I don't, so. Yeah, it I seems... don't think so. I mean, I, I, I've talked to people inside the DOJ, and they literally said the words, we don't care about poker players. And mm-hmm. and they didn't say we don't care about poker. I didn't ask that question, but um, they said I we don't care, and we never have, and likely never will go after the the players. Right. Um, not only is it not what they care about, but then you also have the the political black backlash if if they were to go after a, a large constituent constituency. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, I think. I mean, I, I'm not worried about criminal problems. I'm just worried about my money getting locked up in someone else's mess. And I think that's that's still likely. I put my money on merge. They go after merge for whatever reason, and it's going to get in this kind of limbo state. So it's whether or not it's worth doing it or not. I don't know. I might just have somebody like transfer me ten bucks and you know sit at a table for twenty minutes and just make sure my rake back kicks in, and then that's it. Yeah, but, that's not a bad idea. Um, I actually I know the I know the transfer restrictions on those are kind of weird. Like you can't transfer out of your account on at least like Carbon if you don't if you haven't deposited yet. So oh, okay. someone's gonna transfer me ten bucks and I can't give it back on the site. But yeah, I that's what I, that's where my, that's why my money was stuck on UB because I never deposited. The only thing I I played a tournament for a friend and and won some money and that was that was the only reason I had any on there. But uh. But yeah, I've I actually started I actually put money on merge like months ago, um, per the advice of Blah two three four, because um, he was just saying you know that the rake back is pretty sick and the games are good, and I put some money I I actually got one of my credit cards to work, um, put five hundred on there, ran it up a little bit, and then just stopped playing on there, and so I I recently cashed that out, um, and I don't have any money. Pretty well. If you don't count the twenty five dollars on UB, which I don't, um, I don't have any money on any site right now. And I'm I'm like you. I I'm kind of in this limbo or purgatory stage where uh, I I'm not ready to sort of do anything yet. Yes, I want to play online poker, but I'm sort of just letting the dust settle for now and just waiting to see how things shake out before I I put more money at risk. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think they're going to throw a bunch of really good first deposit bonuses in the next month or two, and I'll probably end up jumping on one of them when I'm ready to do it because I think they're really trying to pull people in. The problem is the people they're pulling in are the serious players. They're the people that are members of DC or card runners or whatever else. It's not you know the people that were posting on the Facebook wall of the DOJ saying you know I'm a retired grandmother and I want to play my poker tournament. They're not putting their money on merge. They're scared. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand the situation. So the games, you thought the games were tough three months ago. I have to imagine the games on Merge are tougher than they were before. Yeah, definitely. So, so. 
Okay. Anyway, um, I think we're going to uh, throw it to the actual strategy segment now. Um, so let's get to that. Yep. Okay, guys, uh, this will now be our strategy segment for the episode. Um, just going to go over a hand I played up at Delaware Park. Um, I guess now is probably a couple weeks ago. Um, and I thought it was an interesting hand, um, a pretty interesting uh, line I took and result as well. So let's get right into that. Um, this is going to be, I was playing 2-5 NL and it was seven-handed and you know standard kind of players you know you have uh, your loose passives a um, couple of guys who looked kind of young and so you I don't know about anybody else but I kind of like immediately give them some respect and inevitably they lose it <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know you'll see that guy I mean You'll see a guy with, like, sunglasses, but he's young, and he looks like he's, you know, maybe he's even wearing a full-tilt hoodie or something like that. And you're like, okay, you know, I mean, he plays online, he's at least somewhat aware, he's not going to be, like, you know, a 60-year-old nit. Um, but then, like, then, you know, he'll in inevitably limp or make some bet that doesn't make any sense, and then show his hand, and you're like, what are you doing? So... That's at least my experience. Very rarely do you find someone who actually is good. Um, but anyway, so to get to the hand, uh, like I said, playing 2-5 NL, um, I'm sitting with probably just under 500. Uh, Seven-handed, and I'm under the gun with Queen-Jack offsuit. I have the qu uh, Queen of Clubs and Jack of Diamonds. That'll come into play later. Um this isn't online if I was playing 6-max. Queen-Jack off probably wouldn't be a standard open for me. Um, but if there were two fish in the blinds, it might be. And that was the case here. Um, you know, there were two fish in the blinds, also on the button, and pretty much everyone at the table. <laughs> so um, I thought, you know, it's... It's not a great hand, and I don't, I'm not thrilled if I get called out of position, which is somewhat likely, but uh, I, I felt comfortable playing post-flop. Um, so anyway, I raise it up to 20, um, and the button and both blinds call. So with my 20 and then those, those three callers, their 20s, that brings the pot to 80. And again, I have queen-jack offsuit. Uh, with the Queen of Clubs. The flop comes out Jack, 8, 4, all clubs. So I've got top pair with uh, the Queen of Clubs flush draw. Um, and the small blind just goes ahead and just donks out for 25. Um, you know, online, 25 into 80 is kind of LOL. But, you know, live, that's actually probably somewhat of a standardish donk. Uh, size, um, and he's got about 150 behind him, I, I estimated, um, and the big blind folds, and now it's on me. Um, I've got top pair and a flush draw, so folding is obviously out, so now the decision is just call or raise. Uh, remember, we've got the button behind us, and uh, 
the small blind let out for 25 into 80. Um, so we've got Queen Jack on Jack 8-4, all clubs, and we've got the Queen of Clubs. Do we call or raise his donk? Um, is basically what's going through my head at this point. Um, and so the first thing I do in any situation like this is obviously we want to assign him a range. So, so what kind of range are you thinking, Bryce? Here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he has a big hand. Just, I mean, unless he's the kind of guy that's donking, you know, really trickily. But from my limited live experience, it always seems like. Slow playing tends to be, they tend to slow play more often than yeah. they should as opposed to fast playing more often than they should. So, I mean, I don't think he has a flush. I don't think he has a set. I don't think he has, you know, he probably has a pair or a, or like a flush draw, like, you know, the bare ace of clubs, maybe with a pair, something like that. I'm not really thinking it's a hand that he is in love with. I think he's betting so that you don't bet more. I mean, it's kind of a blocking bet slash bet to see where I'm at sort of bet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with pretty much all of that. Um, like you said, I, I slow playing is the general uh, strategy for, for live players. If they hit, like, if, he, if for example, he has the, the absolute nuts here with the nut flush, I just don't think he's ever donking here. Um, I either expect him to just check call most of the time, um, and then either just go ahead and donk the turn, um, or check call and then check raise the turn. Um, and, you know, I think I think for the most part, this to me, like you said, especially since he bet 25 into 80, you know, it, it kind of screams blocking bet or bet to see where I'm at since they love to do that. Um, so I, I assign him a lot of jacks. Um, the you know, he called in the small blind after I raised and the button called. So he probably has, you know, some sort of, like, jack eight suited is probably the bottom of his... May, maybe even worse. You, know, you never know with live players. Um, so maybe some jack, jack eight... Jack around jack eight suited and up. Um, up to even, you know, ace jack. Um, and then also, you know, a chance of that he has the ace of clubs... Um, and, and just either a pair with that, so maybe something like an ace eight or an ace four um, so with that. So you got the, the pair plus the nut flush draw. Um, so I, th I think for the most part, it, it consists of jacks and then occasionally a bear flush draw. Uh, the bear flush draw, I w you know, against uh, like an older gentleman, you know, a, or a nit, a passive guy, I think we can take that out, and they'd more than likely just check call in that situation. This guy was kind of younger, um, but but I could quickly tell he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think more often than not, we're going to see a jack here, and you know, a, a small flush. If 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 he was if you were to dunk out with a small flush. Um, I would expect him to bet much bigger because I guess the reason he would be donking out is for protection of the fourth club, which would crush his hand. Like if, say, he's got something like five, six of clubs here or something, um, and he's donking because he doesn't want to see a fourth club, I, I, I would expect him to bet bigger if he was fearful. And if he was slow playing, I would expect him, like we said earlier, to either check call or check raise. 
So I don't really put too many flushes in his range. So now we're just worried about, um, you know, jacks that are better than us. Um, King Jack, Ace Jack. Or, um, you know, him having just the nut flush draw. Um, so against that range we just assigned, and again, we have Queen Jack offsuit with the Queen of Clubs on Jack 8-4 all clubs. Um, he donks 25 into 80 and has about 150 behind. And we're next to act. Um, the big blind already folded and we have the button behind us. So ag against that range... How do, how do you think calling, like, let's just play it out. So we have two options, really, call or raise. So let's, let's just go with the call. Let's say we call. How do, how do you think that works out? I mean, part of the, my biggest problem with call, well, one of my problems with calling is the fact the button is behind. And, you know, calling that bet, like, he's going to call with a lot of stuff that has a draw or he thinks that everyone looks weak and might try to push stuff ahead. I don't know how, he, I don't know how the button plays. Mm -hmm. That. So, I mean, you're calling, you're now, you know, staying in a multi-way pot. You don't have position um, against everybody. Um, but, yeah, if, I mean, if the if you end up calling against him and a, a fourth club comes, if we're thinking, you know, ace of clubs is in his range, he's probably going to play pretty straightforward. He's going to bet if he has a flush, I would expect. And if he doesn't, he's going to be super scared of that fourth club and probably check fold. Yeah. Um. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, yeah, so I, I agree. I think essentially um, the button, by the way, is probably, I don't know, he was kind of like in his mid-30s, kind of just a happy-go-lucky, straightforward kind of guy. Um, so I, I think if we call, if we were to call here and he, like, shoved, I think it'd actually probably be just a, a fold because I would just, exp I, he just seemed very straightforward. Like, oh, I've got a flush, I'm shoving. Um, so we, we'd have to work out the math to see if you know we thought we could call and thought our if we hit a, a, a another club it, it it would be good. But um, I'm really not too worried about the button in this hand. Um, but yeah, so like if if we call, here's I mean what's going through my head is you know how do we, how is it going to play out uh, if the the club comes on the turn, like you said. It's pretty. It's gonna make him very honest. If if the club comes on the turn and he bets again, he's clearly not scared of the flush and likely has us beat, and we can probably just fold right away. Um, and if the if no club comes and it's just you know the deuce of purple horseshoes or whatever, uh, I I don't think. Um, he's going to be betting again with just the bare ace of clubs. He, he might. It you know, depends on how aggro he is. Um, but I, I think if he were to bet again on the turn, if a flush did not, if the fourth club did not hit, um, we're, we're definitely looking at an, a jack there. Um, and so, you know, calling has its advantages of not really put, you know, committing too much m money um, and letting us to see his action on the turn. But I feel like if we hit our club, um, we're not going to... And and he doesn't have a club. It's, say he has... Let's just give him ace-jack without a club. I think if a fourth club comes, then he's he's going to shut down and uh, check fold or, or check call if we bet small enough and then check fold the river. Um, if we don't hit our hand and he has a better jack than us... Um, 
then yeah, we we do lose the the least amount by only calling. But I think I think what we're gonna do next is look at how how he reacts to a raise, and I think that's gonna be our our best option. So now let's put ourselves in, back into the shoes. He's he's donked into us. Um, we've got the queen jack offsuit um, with the jack eight four club board, all club board. We've got the queen of clubs. He donks. Um, now, how do you think he's going to react if we raise? I mean, I think that's going to. I mean, the other thing I was going to say about calling is, I, mean, oh, I think the okay. fact that we have. A, I was going to say the fact that we have a club at this point. If we call the donk, it's almost inconsequential that we make our flush because either he is making a better flush than us or not. I don't think because we took small flushes out of his range, we're pretty much we could bet the, that fourth club with anything and get a fold from someone who doesn't have a flush or you know, be up against the ace of clubs when he leads into us the second time. So Yeah, I agree. The fact that we're making the the flush is kind of secondary. It's we're either ahead of him or not. I mean either we're gonna win the hand or not, regardless of whether or not we hit our flush. Yeah. Because of just the way he's gonna play his hand, I think, because of his range being pretty polarized to, you know, draws or I guess not polarized, but split between really good one card draws and, you know, a top pair sort of hand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, so now let's discuss yeah. raising. So as far as raising, I think, I mean, I think we're going to, I mean, we, we're repping a pretty strong hand because we were the preflop raiser. Um, so he's, if he has a pair, he's going to have a hard time continuing if we keep, you know, we raise the flop, bet the turn. He's with a one pair hand. He's not going to feel very comfortable. Yeah, especially now, on that monotone board. Because we could easily have the flush now. Um, I mean, we could have you know two pair or better. We could you know we could have a set. All you know, everyone monsters under bed sort of stuff it when they play live. That I think by putting the pressure on him, we're we're making him really uncomfortable with his hand, unless he has something amazing which we didn't expect. In which case, we'll hear about it really fast too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and basically, with our hand and him only having 150 behind. I don't think we're concerned, you know, that, oh, if we raise, he's going to shove, then what do we do? I think if we raise and he shoves, it's a pretty easy call, because um, he could he could be doing that with a bare ace, he could be doing that with just a jack, in which case we have tons of outs to a flush, and also, let's, let's say he has king jack, um, and he just, you know, we raise, he shoves, um, and he doesn't have a club. Now we've got all the clubs as outs, and even the three queens is out. So I think we're completely fine getting the money in. Um, so whenever I'm completely fine getting the money in, I definitely look to apply pressure. And especially if, you know, part of his range, a large part of his range is jacks. And, you know, a fair amount of that is ace jack, king jack. So hands better than ours currently. You know, if, if you know, nothing else happens in the hand, we lose to ace jack and king jack. So... Um, if we can get him to fold those hands, that's great, great news for us. Um, and if we happen to get it in, we have a ton of equity. So I think, uh, you know, with, with that being said, if, if we go ahead and raise here, um, I think it works in our favor so that, you know, we represent a stronger hand than what we have. And the majority of his range, like, again, let's say he has ace jack, um, He's going to probably donk call. He's never donk folding most of the time um, with top pair. 
but I think he'll don't call and fold the turn a fair amount because then he's gonna be like, oh, okay, now he's for real. Um, so I, that's that's what I decided to do. I actually raised it to 75. Um, the button folded. The small blind called. Um, so now the pot was 80 plus my 75 plus his 75. 75, 75 is 150 plus 80 is 230. Um, and he's got about 100 left. So a effective stack is 100. The pot is 230. Um, and by just flatting, he's essentially announced that his hand is pretty much Jack X or maybe Ace, just the, just the Ace of Clubs. Uh, the turn bricked, he checked, and I shoved, and he moaned, <laughs> moaned as live players do, uh, and eventually folded face up, showing me ace-jack, and, um, I, you know, I think, I think that's pretty much exactly what we put him on, you know, a, a jack a very large percentage of the time, and by raising and putting the pressure on, um, we got him to fold the better hand. Uh, so I, I think if we just call there, the turn bricks, he's going to bet again, we're probably going to call, the river comes, and we're either going to have to hit a queen or a club to really be comfortable calling a, a third barrel. Um, so calling really lends itself to just making us hit our hand while raising and applying pressure with equity allowed us to, to fold out a better hand. So that's what I did. And it worked out. Way to go. <laughs> okay, uh, that went longer than I uh, anticipated, so hopefully you guys stuck with it. Um, it wasn't too boring, and in the future we'll try to shorten that, that up. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we're going to throw it to the interview with Mr. Tackleberry now. Okay, everybody, uh, we are on with Tackleberry now. Tackleberry, how you doing? Hello, very well. Thank you very much. Um, going to try to keep this interview to about 15, 20 minutes, um, but we would like to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, I think a lot of people know you from the DC forums, so uh, let's get this started. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. uh, as as we usually kind of start, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself kind of outside of poker? You know, what do you do for in real life, you know, that sort of thing? Okay, first first of all, hello, all guys out there, and um, my name is Tickleberry on the Users Crack Forum, and I think I'm, compared to the rest of the DC community, I'm probably pretty old, I'm almost 40 years old, okay. uh, living, living in Germany, um, I'm uh, still married but living apart, living with my girlfriend right now, uh, she's the one with the, with the challenge, you, you know, and um, I have two wonderful children. Um, five or almost six and almost nine years old. Oh, nice! And and yes, in my in my normal day job, I'm working as a project manager for a mid-sized company here in, in Berlin, Germany, developing and maintaining a software product for public authorities. And um, yeah, so I have a pretty boring normal day job <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I'm not playing poker. <laughs> so you do the the poker thing for fun. Still, still for fun. It's still for fun, but I take it pretty serious for about five years now. And but I think we'll come to that later. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so how did I mean? How did you get into poker? Were you a game player before that? Is this kind of a natural progression out of something else? 
Yes, I was. I was um, a playing person pretty pretty much my entire life. Uh, I, I, I love playing games at, at, in, in all fashions. I was a chess player in, in former days. And uh, I was a pretty bad player, but I, but I still love to, to play chess. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was, uh, I think one day my, my girlfriend uh, watched some crappy poker show on TV. And um, I had I had no interest at all in this game because I thought it was purely a game of chance, a game of luck. And I I was I was no no um, chance player at all. And I don't play blackjack, no roulette, nothing for that. Um, but then eventually some some commercial banner showed up in the TV, mentioning from a German poker strategy site that they that they would offer some educational stuff and a starting bankroll to play poker and to learn poker. And yeah, my, my interest was ignited. You know? I, I thought, okay, if one can learn the game, then I'll do. I will. I will take the challenge, and yeah, the rest is history. Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you do you remember the name of the strategy site? Yes, it was. <clears throat> sorry, it was PokerStrategy.com. Oh, okay. I think they they grow pretty big uh, up to up today. They're in, in all over the world, and I think I was one of the one of the first day or first time members they had in the pretty early days. You said that was about five years ago. Yeah, it was four, five, six years. That's yeah, almost six years ago now. Okay, so you've been at it for a while. Yes. Listen, <laughs> 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 I started playing Limit Hold'em. It was it was um, more popular for the for the learning community uh, former days. So I started like I think almost twelve months played uh, Limit exclusively. And uh, then, then I played multi-table tournaments because I was pretty bored with Limit Hold'em up to the day. And I think I played like two or three years, almost entirely multi-table tournaments. Um, yes, until I got fed up with variants. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I feel like that's always the, the time people switch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anytime variants kicks their butt, they're like, all right, well, I should probably try a new game now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much, yes. <laughs> So do you, uh, I think Bellatrix is German, and she, she's a Limit Hold'em player, so I assume that you know her. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Oh. I don't know the name is, but I, know, I don't know her personally. Oh, well. <laughs> there goes your theory that all German Limit Hold'em players know each other. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a small country, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Should we ask you about about Kinder Eggs too? Do you like Kinder Eggs? Oh yeah, good callback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you a fan of Kinder Eggs? The pun that don't know that. Uh the 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 chocolate egg. You you guys don't have it. Okay, yes, yes, I know it. Yes, yes, I'm a big big fan of it. Too. <laughs> don't bring them. Don't bring them to the United States. That's the lesson that we have for you on those. Yeah, we're just tr- we're just trying to find a way to make those relevant to poker since we talked about them in our poker podcast. And now we've done it. <laughs> we found a poker player that has one. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, I mean, have you been doing? I, I, you're working with Improva, right? Are you? I think I've seen you over on that forum as yes. well. Yes, I, that, kept, I kept I kept working with him for quite a while. Yes, is that did that kind of jumpstart your game? Were you already heading in? I know. I mean, I know you've moved up. You know, from twenty-five on up, was mm-hmm. working working with coaching something that really was instrumental in your game? Was it just a natural progression? I know some people try and figure out when's the right time for coaching, and everyone has a different answer. Yes, I've, I I don't know if, if if I actually profited 
that much from coaching to be honest because um it was for me it was all other i had i had tons of coaches to be honest i had like five six or seven coaches uh, on my way and i think coaching was very difficult for me because we almost made sweat sessions and stuff like that and it was pretty random stuff you know i i, I played some sessions and the coach uh, watched what i was doing but for me it was almost always like there was no real um, systematic approach you know? and I'm I'm somebody who needs some some systematic approach in my learning process and that was something I quite missed you know? and Improver was one who had a pretty systematic approach he we we talked about stuff um, like for example the next three bedding and we made it a topic for the next session and um, he has a book the poker puzzle and um, I worked through it and then we took some um, some topics out of the book or some topics he watched in my game and then we took that for the next sessions and I think I had quite some some sessions not not too many with him but quite some sessions and I think it was a, a pretty good point to contact him when I was in one of my biggest downswings so far and he was the one who got me out of there <laughs> and oh, that's uh, good. get my get my confidence back <laughs> back on track yeah you sound very similar to me in that you know, I'm not a big fan of, of the blackjack or craps or roulette. I, I'm not a big fan of those games where, A, yes, it's huge chance involved, but B, you, you know, you literally do not have an edge. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I'm not, I was never a fan of those types of games. That's why poker drew me in. Um, but then also, like you, I've had many, many coaches, and I wouldn't say that they, they haven't helped me. I think you know, I picked up, you know, maybe one thing from this coach, one thing from that coach along the way, and, and you know... Exactly, that's to, pretty much the point, yes. Yeah, so like like you, you know, I've sort of like collected along the way, but, you know, I think you and I would both agree that, you know, doing your own work and, and working through it on your own is, is where you find the most benefit. Yeah, I think so. Yes, pretty pretty many players think that um, that getting coached or getting coached into coaching is like the holy grail, but I think it's it's far from that. No? It's a it's one of many puzzle pieces, and um, as you say, you have to take the things you, you get from the coach and you have to work it and internalize it on your own, because otherwise you would just mimic what the coach says or what what he um, intends to do uh, or assume. Um, suggests to do in a certain <clears throat> situation but i think you have to you have to get it internalized for yourself and then you can um uh, apply it in the the correct situations and not just uh, try something which you think uh my coach would do this or that in this in this situation yeah i definitely agree and i actually so i think most people think you know you should play you know x number of hands see x number of videos and then once you're really really gotten to the point where you have a decent holding or a decent understanding then you get a coach and i actually actually think about it almost the exact opposite um i feel like when you're just starting out when you have no idea what's going on i actually prefer the direct line method of just hiring a coach right away um just to be like look here are the basics like sort of like what we're going to get to later um you're doing with your girlfriend um but just I, I I think I benefit like when I first started learning triple draw, um, just I watched the the triple the gold series from uh, mm. Death Donkey, but mm. uh, but I I thought you know in the beginning of your career is when you have you, you can just have so much to learn that if you can get it you know the the correct things done um, from the beginning and build your solid uh, poker ship 
from the beginning. I, I think that's very helpful. And then work your own way into like learning the theory and everything. So that, that's my view of it. I, I feel like yeah. it, people would benefit more in the beginning, actually. I definitely agree. I think I, um, I I had no coach, but I read like like two books and like uh, dozens of of uh, pieces of paper with poker strategy before I played my very first hand, and that's exactly the, the approach. I didn't play any hand so far be, until I had a pretty decent understanding of what of what was my first basic starting stuff, you know, like starting hand charts and uh, what to do post flop. And as I said, I started with limit hold'em, but I had a pretty pretty decent basic understanding before I started uh, sitting down at the tables. Yeah, I think that's pretty important. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, kind of on that same topic of, you know, understanding the game, we, um, for, why don't you tell people a little bit of the background of the challenge you're doing with your girlfriend before we kind of get into that, but... Yeah, surely. <clears throat> yeah, my girlfriend started playing poker with me together like like six years ago. She 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 actually was the one who who, who switched on the TV and watched poker for fun. <laughs> and uh, so we um, registered registered together on the uh, poker strategy side. And um, even even though we started together, I think she she didn't take the game as serious as I did for most of the time. Um, she experimented with many different forms of poker, like like as me limit hold'em. She pretty pretty uh, quickly got impatient and bored with limit hold'em and started playing no limit and then started multi table tournaments, started single table tournaments, SNGs and and whatnot. Um, but I think nothing seemed to really fit her over the long time. She always almost always got either bored or frustrated pretty soon and had um, big breaks in, in between. And yeah, I think so, so some weeks ago she, she, we, we were talking about poker again and uh, like, like, like any day <laughs> and uh, she, she witnessed my dedication and my success uh, in, in the recent uh, month. And yeah, we, we talked about getting her on the track, finally getting on, on the track of cash game and make it pretty serious and not uh, experimenting with this or that, so, but get the basics and uh, from the scratch, working with her on a, on a yeah, pretty basic coaching plan. So we, um, we, we ag agreed on depositing $300 at full tilt and you know, starting from the scratch. And um, one of the basic agreements was that she had to forget anything she knows about poker. She, <laughs> she's, she, she has been playing like for, for, for six years, as, like me. So um, I told her she had to forget anything she knows and anything she thinks is true uh, and only hear to what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were you a brave her. man to make that rule. Yeah. <laughs> yes. how, did, how did exactly did that go over? <laughs> <laughs> if you knew her, you would, you would know that this was the best part of the agreement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that easy as it sounds <laughs> you can pretty much uh, um, expect that um, yes I'm a, I'm, I made a blog about it and you can oh, you almost have it, you, I, I know Tommy have read it on, on the Juices Cracked forum yes. and we started with, with the most basic stuff like, like I put up some starting hand chart like a pretty pretty super tight approach because on NL5 and NL10, I think you don't need to do anything but playing tight, pretty uh, ABC poker. And yeah, it worked pretty well. She, she made a good jump start on NL5. Uh, we started with 300 uh, US dollars and she made it to like, like 420, 430, like in pretty much no time. Oh, nice. 
And yes, it was was pretty nice. She had she had some some bad sessions in between. I think some of it was was tilt, and some of it was pretty very uh, pretty much variance. But okay, that that happens. Um, so we then took our first step to an uh, ten, and it went pretty bad. I think I don't know what it was exactly, but I think it was um, mostly uh, due to tilt. And uh, she had some bad hands and some bad luck, and uh, yeah, the rest was one evening of like <laughs> burning four or five stakes in in, <laughs> in like like some 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 hours. Um, yeah, but she was um, she was cool enough to to, to step down to NL five again and uh, rebuild her role. And uh, then then we took the next step like one week one week ahead of it. And since then she is she was almost to six hundred dollars so far. And recently, she had some real bad bad luck, and is back to five about about five hundred back. Um, but I think we get we get the turnaround soon, and then we hopefully we get um, to the next limit or next level pretty soon. Then. Okay, and I know you said that you were sort of starting with the basic stuff. Um, like in your blog, you mentioned that you know whether to bet or not to bet, and not necessarily how much to bet. Yes, I think it's a, it's a pretty pretty important approach because I think or I, I learned it from myself that um, that you should concentrate on on very few topics and internalize that deeply uh, and not like um, twenty or twenty five things to think about and a big complex game plan and uh, old play any single opponent and identify different player tapes and whatnot. Or I think it's it's. For the for the learning experience and for deeply internalizing it, it's really important to to concentrate on two or three topics for one session. Uh, like, okay, this session is about three betting, or this session is about playing out of position. Um, so we made nothing but but concentrating, for example, on out of position play for one for one session or for two sessions. And um, as you once mentioned in my blog, like like the bet sizing wasn't optimal on one hand and. I I told you don't don't bother with with bet sizing so far. No? It's a it's not the most important thing right now. Just learn when to bet, when to see bet, and when when to fold and when to um, to barrel. And I think it's not the most important thing right now. How much to bet? This will be the next step. You know, once the the basic thing things are internalized, like she knows when to bet and she knows when to fold, then we can talk about the more sophisticated things like bet sizing or like bluffing or, or whatever comes comes to our minds then. Yeah, and I actually think that's a tremendous way to to go about it because you often hear that people will be watching videos and then they just kind of get this overload of information and they're trying to apply everything as opposed to doing what you're doing and sort of just saying, well, I have no idea what to do out of position. Let's concentrate on that. I have no idea what to do in three-bet pots. Now let's concentrate on that. Oh, I don't know about bet sizing. Now let's concentrate. You know, if they do it that way, Mm. then you can sort of learn each thing well and then implement it into your game as opposed to trying to learn poker you know yes. i think poker is yes. way too broad <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly the thing and, and i think if i if, if i should give a, a hint or a or suggestion to 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 upcoming players i think this is the most ex- important one um i often read uh, new new community members on the juices crack forum like where where should i start and then somebody come up and say ah oh, you should definitely watch the thin red line by grindcore and i think it's just as, as you say it's just an overload of information if you if you don't know what to do at all you just sit down and you and you heard about the game and you know some real basic stuff 
stuff and then you get in, into some coaching video and um, you, you see uh, sparks firing all around yeah. and, and cards <laughs> flying and then ships flying around and I think it's 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 entirely the wrong approach. You know, just as, as you say, just take some some few topics and and work on that until until you master it, and then then take the next step. Yeah, I think it's it needs very, a, it's a lot of patience. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very important to you know start with a series like Baby Steps or or yes, some other yes. series by Tuba Steve um, that sort of teaches you those basics, and you take it slow because people try to rush to it too much, and they don't realize. Yeah. Like I've been playing for you know, eight or nine years now. You, I know you said you've been playing for five years. It, it's not something that anyone can really learn quickly unless, unless you're, that's all you're doing. But yeah, even then yeah. you start, it's a long period of time and, and people try to rush it. I think, I think like you said, you know, watching the thin red line as one of your first series is not good. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think people get caught up in results and it's, I mean, it's tough. Like if you're learning chess, and you're playing against someone who's really good at chess, you know you're going to lose. You're playing against someone who's bad, you're probably going to win. With mm. poker, you can sit down and play you know, 5,000 hands with somebody that you know you're better than and lose, and you don't know if you're doing something wrong, and so people start looking at their graph. And To me, like anytime someone posts a, a, something in the forum saying, how do I fix my red line, you know, my first thought is stop looking at your red line because yes. that's, you're, you don't understand. I mean, go back to the fundamentals. I mean, I think Rob posted something on his blog a while ago about like someone who was learning golf and was you start five feet from the hole, then move to ten feet, and you just kind of make the game smaller. And I don't know. Mm. I, and I was kind of thinking about applying it to poker, and it sounds like you've accomplished it better than I was able to figure out the right way to do it of like, okay, let's look at betting versus not betting. Don't even think about bet sizing. Just like, should I bet yes or no? And then you move into how much should I bet? And I think that's a really good approach. It breaks the game down into smaller decisions and you can kind of master them. But it's tough. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, exactly. with, with Rob's approach, like making golf the smaller game, did, did he include like how to get around the windmill or, you know, over the, the, the clown's face or anything like that? No, I don't. I think you start even... You don't, like you don't even swing that thing that swings in front of the hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I, don't, I, I don't know how miniature golf humor translates to Europe, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, do you guys have miniature golf over there? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, I apologize for the. I have, I have a business joke. opportunity for you then after the after we're done recording this. <laughs> um, the, the, back on the topic of poker, I had the question I had was: Did you find this? challenge is helping your game I, I mean i found when i started coaching that as i explained things and made and you know made assumptions that weren't true and and crunched the numbers it actually really helped me cement a lot of my fundamentals and i was wondering if that was true of your game as well yes def definitely definitely no so i um i have some some micro stakes players along with, with where, uh, who i'm coaching and i think just talking about hands and just talking about basic stuff um Prevents myself from from um, deviating too much from the lines. No, like like uh, I'm I'm prone to 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 go on winning tilt, for example. If I have some really good runs and um, I start to play loser and I start to play more hands and suddenly I I, I start losing and I and ask myself why am I losing? Why am I suddenly doing something wrong? And I think this is exactly the the, the stuff where I see where I can see. Okay, you are playing too many hands out of position. You are you are telling your own students that you, that they should stop playing marginal hands out of position and what are you doing? You are doing exactly that. Ne? Yeah. And uh, I think that's a very, very important thing for myself. Um, um, 
in, independent from from the limits or the stakes we are playing, I think it's pretty important to to um, deeply think about the game and uh, think about situations and just master them to the to the un uncompetent to the to the um, unconscious competence sea level no? so that you don't have to think about it anymore you, you you just know that it is right because you talk about it and you you try to to explain it to somebody else so that he can understand it and i think it helps me pretty much yeah i def definitely agree in, in my uh coaching career it's it's one of those things like like bryce was saying and and you were as well that you know what you say all of a, all of a sudden becomes something that people question and people and you have to back it up with yes. reasons, and then when you're doing that, and you're at the table, all of a sudden it just becomes natural. Yes, yes, that's exactly the thing. Yeah. Um, so where where uh, where are you in your current career, and and what are your kind of future plans with poker? Uh, actually, I um, at the by, by the end of last year, I was uh, I reached NL four hundred, and uh, then I took uh, uh, <laughs> a really brutal downer. Um, and uh, I think I lost like like half of my bankroll, and um, so I went went back to playing NL 100, NL 200 on different sides and rebuilding my role. And actually, I'm I'm back at like 17k with my role and still playing NL 100. <laughs> so you can see like, <laughs> what, like what a, what a bankroll nit I turned to. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, yes, by the way, I have over the last 50k hands, I have like like 10 BB per hundred. So I think I'm pretty confident that I make the jump finally back to NL 200 and hopefully soon to NL 400. And then my goal is to to eventually reach NL 600 and higher, and then play poker as a part-time professional oh nice i'm as be, be, besides my day job as a project manager i'm a project management coach uh self-employed and my my target actually is to um to have two main sources of income like one is one should be playing poker and one should be um coaching project managers so i have some i have two independent sources of income and that's my final goal <laughs> that i'm working on well, nice. So definitely, uh, definitely good luck with that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, did you have anything else, Bryce? No, that was. I mean, that was it. I mean, that was. Thanks. That was great. Yeah, that was excellent. Thank you very much for coming on. Okay, thank you very much for picking me up for this. Um, make sure you guys check out uh, Tackleberry's blog um, as he details his the challenge with uh, with his girlfriend and see how long he before he's sleeping on the couch. So good. Good luck with the challenge. Good luck with with your actual personal uh, career, and hopefully uh, that will be sooner rather than later. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> okay, that wraps up episode three of Badugi All Stars. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, thanks again to Tackleberry. Um, for coming on and providing a great interview. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Badoogie All Stars, where we will retweet things that we post on our real Twitter accounts, most likely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to be tweeted there. Well, well, we'll tweet upcoming guests and, and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, definitely follow us on Twitter. Uh, again, it's at Badoogie All Stars. I don't know if you have to say at, um, it's like saying www. Um, yeah, it's http colon slash all stars. Yeah, and if if you guys need us to, uh, we can write that out for you. Um, if you want to find us on Gopher, let me know. 
Gopher? What's Gopher? That's before your time. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember like Dogpile and Ask Jeeves and whatnot. No, it's way older than that. Oh, all right. Well, you're old. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thanks thanks again uh, for everyone listening. Uh, be sure to give us feedback on what you liked and what you didn't. Um, this is Tecmo Super Bowl. Nixon the Grouch. See y'all later.